Welcome to the 366th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that aims to complete your heart and your piggy bank each and every week. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host is Cliff Daigle, at Word of Commander on Twitter. And we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello, everybody. As always, I'm looking forward to diving into all the developments for this week. But before we jump in, I want to remind listeners that this show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Please sign up today at mtgprice.com to plan your specs, chat on a great Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, my friend, what is on our agenda this week? Uh, we're going to start off with uh, a Pioneer Challenge from online, and we have the 10k modern event at SCGCon to talk about in terms of decks that made an impact. Uh, segment two is going to have our top movers for the week, including some cards that may sound familiar if you were listening last week. We've also got the top movers online to discuss. Then you and I have some cards to watch, our picks for the week, as well as a Discord member pick. And then we're going to get into today's bannings in segment four, the, uh, some shaking up in legacy and the state of competitive play in general bannings or lack thereof over in segment one the metagame week in review we will kick off with the pioneer challenge on magic online from march 4th things were looking relatively stable over there black red mid-range in first and second green red aggro making a semi-rare appearance on the back of four Atarka's command in third blue white spirits in fourth mono green in fifth and eighth Creativity Combo, recently known for taking down the Pro Tour in the hands of Reed Duke in 6th place, and Yorion Incarnation continues to set up shop in the format, and I noticed it uh, is one of the few decks in any of the competitive formats that runs 4 copies of Jetmere's Garden. Yeah, you want to get a little Naya Splash in there, it's perfect for that. Uh, Especially in a Yorion deck, you're going to have a a lot of land, a lot of extra lands so that you want to maximize out what you have going on. So yeah, uh triomes are good. We've we've learned this. Over in the modern arena, we had the 10k at SEG Con Charlotte this weekend, so another big paper tournament uh, from the Star City Games crew. This one was taken down by Living End with blue white hammer in second, blue red murktide in third and seventh. Four-color Omnath running four Oath of Nyssa in fourth place. Jeskai Breach continuing to show up in both paper and online play in fifth. Mono Red Midrange in sixth, extending the reach of that uh, relatively odd deck for the format. And then a mostly mono white with a little splash of green for Haywire Might version of Hammer Time showing up in eighth. Yeah, uh, there's not really a bad flavor of Hammer Time. And uh, I think we've seen in uh sometimes it will see like a little splash for activating haywire might we'll see a little splash for blue to throw the reality chip in there for long-term card advantage there's just a lot of fun ways to build the deck 
Moving on over to segment two, top paper movers. We'll kick things off with Karn's Bastion out of War of the Spark, showing relatively minor movement, but a slow, steady climb uphill since it's printing $5.52.7 for almost 27.5% gains. Shieldred the Apocalypse uh, Step and Complete foils were as low as $77 a few weeks back and are now at $120, arguably looking to push up to $150 plus. Under 15 listings left on TCG Player, showing that even though this is one of many variants of the card that have existed in the last six months, the card is just that popular, and this new one is still doing very well given its relative rarity. It's also uh, a jump like this, this early in the format. Uh, there's still a lot of collector boosters left to open. Step and Completes have their own slot, but uh, this is people upgrading, I think. You know, they're not just like picking up Shouldered for the first time. They're like, oh no, I want this version. And so they're going for the Step and Complete foils. Entirely possible. We also see Command Tower, Cybertron version, foils going 3 to $5. Of course, Command Tower is in ver- almost as many decks as Arcane Signet in Commander, and this is a Transformers-themed version, which is uh, not surprisingly popular. We've also got Gorio's Vengeance out of Ultimate Masters, $350 to $6, 71% gains. We've seen a whole bunch of Atraxa and Gristlebrand-focused decks that have been trying to make uh, the presence of Atraxa in the format work in modern lately, and Gorio's Vengeance has been a portion of that. We also see Gwena Eyes of Gaia out of the uh, the extended art version, I believe, not just the regular version, uh, which comes out of the Brothers War collector boosters going $250 to $5 for a double up. Foil extended arts are now at $25 as well. Relatively low inventory on TCG Player, 9,000 decks reported on EDH Rack. That only makes this the ninth most popular card in the set. But I will say that in Joda, where I run a copy of this card, it always does work. And I think it is a, a fantastic five-color uh, commander card. It could be that people are looking at this uh, with an eye to sliver action later this summer, perhaps. That is entirely possible. It's, you know, just marvelous to tap and add uh two colorless and then you get to do i'm sorry not two colorless two of any color and then when you cast something with big power you just get to untap and go um the sliver has to be in play for its power to go up right on the stack it's still going to be small mostly the important part of gwenna is the tapping for two mana and and getting any color and in a sliver deck that means one turn you cast a blue sliver then a red sliver then a white sliver and Gwen is giving you exactly what you want every time exactly even, what you want even and, and the thing is that a lot of sliver decks have a lot of two color slivers blue black for hibernation red white to fly etc cetera, etc cetera. and Gwen does all of that very well so may earn one of the rare slots in a sliver deck that is not a sliver itself um, you really want to be able to ramp into that deck because presumably sliver king is going to be five mana plus. The uh, Sliver Queen, of course, is five color. The other Sliver Commanders are all five color. And there are, aren't are a lot of like huge Slivers that, that you want to cast yet, but they're certainly going to give us some new ones, I would imagine, in that Sliver deck. So hard to say what they will be, given that most of the existing abilities have already been covered. Yeah, three mana to tap for two means that any of the five color Slivers just comes right out. Uh, a turn early, especially if you uh, manage to land a, a mana sliver early. I like it. I, that, let's let's keep this going. All right. 
We've also got Palladium Mirror foils that have scars of Mirrodin, 7 to 15. That's just Mirror EDH uh, trend lines that we've been talking about for weeks. Uh, I remain unconvinced that this will be a lasting trend, so by all means, get your, sli- your Mirror cards listed for sale. Alibu Ancient Witness Extended Arts out of C21, uh, Commander uh, 2021. That means it was a Strix... Is that a Strixhaven... CB extended art? I think so. Yeah, because 2022 was Streets of New Capenna. So these have gone 10 to 22 quietly. And we've also got Phyresis Outbreak that we talked about last week, creeping from 1 to 3 or 4, going 3 to 7. That's on the back of Poison Popularity popularity in EDH. Uh, that's also true of Finn the Fangbearer foils out of Keldheim, 2 to $5, almost 150% gains there. And then, of course, with the slivers coming up, people have been going after the Mana Whiff sliver, especially after you talked about it on cast last week. There was already momentum there, but I, I think the Pro Traders did some damage to the inventory on TCG player, at least, and carried the card from 5 to 14 for the time being. I would imagine that you're going to see it slip back under 10. Copies will get picked off heading into the summertime. And then this should be, I think, good to go to be 15 to 25 or even 30 as the Sliver King decks start to land and people actually start to get busy building. That sounds reasonable. I would expect it to to retrace some, like uh, the last, uh, there's a couple of near mint foils that sold back in, people are filling in what they can as they, they heard about it. But there's uh, there's some big jumps up and down, especially over the last few days. And I won't be shocked to see this hit. You know, I, I picked it to go uh, 15 but uh, 20 would not shock me either once the deck actually comes out. I believe we flagged a Graz Unstoppable Juggernaut showcase, uh, or a Graz Unstoppable Juggernaut uh, deck in Modern last week in the Discord, and the showcase uh, step and completes as a result went from 3 to $9. Uh, I would not hang my hat on that being able to hold a new plateau. Uh, Graz is a very cute card, uh, not necessarily a very good card, so... Uh, I think you probably want to sell into that and maybe look for a low later if you still like the card. We've also got Staff Staff of Titania Extended Arts out of Brothers War uh, CBs. And I think this was a Commander deck card, if I'm not mistaken. It's not in the set proper, uh, if I recall correctly. Uh, Yes, it is from the Brothers War Commander. So um, it is only available in uh no wait it is available in foil apparently this is an artifact that gives plus plus x plus x where x is the number of forests you control and then whenever equipped creature attacks create one one green forest dryad land creature tokens plays fairly well uh alongside awaken the woods yeah it sounds like it would there's there's a whole it sounds like it would (laughs) uh there's a whole lot of (laughs) Cards that play well if you're going to uh, dump a bunch of forests in your deck, and this is just one more way to do uh, cool things with that. It does Because it does make more forests for you. You're going to be sad no matter what when everybody wraths, though. We also have Descent into Avernus, uh, Extended Arts out of the Commander Legends Battle for Baldur Gate. Uh, extended Arts that came out of those CBs, and this one went from 1 to 5. The Foil Extended Arts went 3 to 7. Between Descent, Staff, and Alibu, plus some other cards that have shown up recently, it seems like people are starting to clue in that some of the Extended Art Commander-only cards are 
relatively rarer than other rares in Mythics and are not as easy to pull in from any other angle other than the CBs. Descent, I think, is a is a card prop is, is a main set card though for for CLB if I'm not mistaken. Doesn't doesn't have a designation yes. on the extended art, so that wouldn't be included actually. But nevertheless, that that is a trend to watch in much the same way that people targeting slivers or surge foils or mirror cards uh, have been recent trends in pricing. Finishing up here, we have Shining Shoal, my pick from last week. The call was to go. Two to ten dollars. By the time I had made that call, it was already under pressure and already climbing. Uh, so not tremendously surprised to see it go three to fifteen as the remaining copies under ten hollowed out. That's on the back of the four uh, copy usage in the mono white modern deck that has been discussed on cast over the last couple of weeks. Yep. Uh, so having been right, would you sell into this hype right now? Oh yeah. Or are you for holding? sure. For sure, because okay. as we talked about on the cast when we looked at the deck, deck is very cool, but whether or not it's going to be a persistent pr- presence in modern is a whole other matter. Uh, it is a kind of a tricky card uh, in terms of reprints. Like of all, you know, the pantheon of potential cards to print, this has to be so far off the radar for wizards. You know, something like a Rissic Study is a lock for Commander Masters, but something like Shining Shoal is far from a lock in any set, including Secret Lair, uh, until such time as, you know, this modern deck is showing up in significant quantity and somebody at Wizards who's picking cards for something like a secret layer flags it as, hey, this hasn't had a reprint for a while. It's got to be either a list card or a secret layer card sometime in the next year and it gets put onto the the docket, as it were. Um, in the meantime, it, any additional pressure on this could push it even higher. Yeah, that seems right. It also helps that, like we talked about last week, uh, people aren't playing one or two. They're playing the full four. Uh, especially that particular deck that wants to pitch Chancellor of the Annex to it, because that's they're never going to actually play the Chancellor. So they get the tax, they get the pitch, and all is great because you just prevented and redirected seven damage. Moving on over to Top Magic Online Movers of the Week, we start off with Rafine, Scheming Seer, a mythic from Streets of New Capenna from last uh, last spring, going from two tickets to almost four tickets on the back of heavy standard play. We've also got Mercurial Spell Dancer, the Snapcaster wannabe, from All Will Be One, 1.64 tickets to 3.57, almost 118% gains on the back of Legacy 4 of play. Uh, of course, the blue-red deck just got nerfed today, which we'll talk about shortly, so unclear what, what the future of that deck is, but I suspect that all of the kind of the many archetypes they could choose to attack in Legacy, uh, this one is probably pretty resilient, and as such, we may well see more Spell Dancer in the future. Finishing up, we have Skrelv's Hive on the back of standard play, going 0.33 tickets to 2.11, almost 540% gains there. I mean, Skrelv's Hive is a great card, and it's repeatable source. Uh, it does great things once you get them corrupted. You know, it's it's really hard to argue with, especially in a format where White Sun's Zenith exists as well. You can just reload and uh, immediately hitting them for a bunch more tokens. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where Toxic goes. It's a shame we're not going to get any more sets with Toxic in the life of Standard. Probably. I guess we could get some March of the Machines Toxic stuff, but I'd be surprised. Uh, I, I won't actually be surprised since it still deals with Phyrexians and they're still on the march. Uh, it's entirely possible we get some more poison cards in Mom, I would imagine. Maybe a smattering as opposed to a thicker theme from the last set. 
Moving over to segment four, cards to watch. I'm going to jump on this this uh, bandwagon with the Command Tower Cybertron version that comes as the bonus card alongside uh, Doubling Cube, Blightsteel Colossus, and Darksteel Colossus in the trans the Transformers Secret Layer Optimus versus Megatron. So I'm calling this to go four to ten over the course of the next twelve months or so. It's got a very steep ramp on price. There's not that many vendors willing to sell this cheap, so they believe there's a future in the card based on its overall popularity. There's still plenty of inventory, because if a vendor bought 50 copies of this drop, they've got 50 copies of this card. There aren't tremendous amounts of walls, but there's definitely 10, 15, 20 serious walls, but not that many price under 5 bucks. So I think that if you're getting these under 5 and you're aiming for a 10 to $15 exit sometime in the next 6, 12, 18 months, you're probably in pretty good shape. I I mean, it's a command tower, so we know it's going to sell. Like command towers like always going to be a popular card. Um there's some, a couple of big walls, like there's 15, 34, 50 at $2.36 right now. So there is a lot of inventory on there. And I would prefer for some of this to have gone down some, but this was the inclusion I think that uh, this is a good price to get in on this one. Uh, I'm I'm just a little bummed that this art doesn't have more of a unique-looking Transformers feel to it. You know what I mean? The other thing about this that's a risk, and I think this is 100% certainty, this risk, is... That we get more going... Command Tower in Command Masters, yeah. Yeah, Commander Masters for sure will have a version of this, and it gets other versions all the time. It's going to be, in, yeah. could be in a secret layer per year. It's going to be in ancillary products all the time. At present, it's got a Judge promo, a Commander's Arsenal version, one secret oh, layer. Right. It was in all of the 40K decks as a surge foil, so there's multiple versions there. And there's an extended art and a foil extended art from Commander Legends. There's a non-foil old border version that was in the Brothers War Commander decks. There's lots. So you you can't claim uniqueness other than that uh, Transformers fans are a special breed. They will, if they care about Transformers stuff, they will may well reach for this version of Command Tower, especially if they're building something like Jota Transformers, the deck I have built for EDH, where you can run almost all the Transformers and you want to play a bunch of the Transformer-themed cards alongside. Uh, so I think that... that uniqueness of theme helps here it's worth noting that the judge foil is 65 dollars. the commander's arsenal version is 38 the other secret layer borderless is 16 i think that was a Fortnite, if i'm not mistaken the surge foils are all currently under four dollars so despite all the surge mm. foils being targeted all the time these have not yet been hollowed out and you might well right decide to turn your attention towards these where there are much smaller walls at a similar price point and you'd have a shot at doing just as well if not better i think that um this is a good price for a foil command tower to get in you'll you'll have a hard time not like you're not going to lose any value on this i just think that with the new versions coming out we could probably find uh, a spot that it'll do it'll grow faster or won't be at quite as much of a, a a risk because especially with commander masters coming in august like we're going to get some other nifty you know um triple layer uh golden silver foil version i don't know what the heck they're going to do they'll do something fancy for sure 
if I was targeting one of the Surge foils, I would recommend number 271. It's already a couple bucks more expensive than the others because it has uh, more dynamic art. And there are about 20 listings on those. So for those to go 6 to 15 as a Surge foil seems just as likely as 3 or 4 to 10 on the Cybertron version. Okay. Uh, speaking of Surge foils, uh, one of those is my pick this week. We mention a Surge foil almost every week in our uh, top movers. And uh, Harold's Horn is a Surge foil out of one of the decks that's currently available for around 11 12 bucks. There's only about 50 vendors who have copies. None of them have a, a crazy number of copies available. And the only other foil version of Harold's Horn, until Commander Masters, there's a very good chance this is in there. Um, the only other foil is from the, um, like, the Year of the Tiger promo thing, and there's, like, four copies on TCG Player right now. So it's hard to get other foils, and this particular foil... At $11, the card's in 110,000 Commander decks because we love playing a lot of the same creature type. I've got this in both Zombies and Dragons, and you should grab foils for any of your tribal decks as well. Yeah, I, I think this one is relatively straightforward. It's got probably under some sliver pressure as well this summer, and your targets here look sensible to me. Yeah, I, like I said, though, I think that this is a, a strong candidate for Commander Masters. And if you wanted to pause on that, because we don't know what's in there, I would totally respect that. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to go with the Scarab God borderless DJ version from the Secret Layer uh, drops at the end of 2022. These were only available if you spent $200 or more uh, in with your orders. And they for each $200 spent, you would get one copy of the Scarab God. As a result, um, you have hundreds of copies across 66 listings near mint left on tcg player there's not like massive massive walls but there's definitely 10s 20s a couple of close to 30s and they're selling decently quickly for a 20 dollars premium card that not everybody knows about you know three to five to six or seven copies a day kind of thing the scarab god is in a very solid number of decks on edh rec as it fits into zombies and a bunch of other strategies as well i've run it in moldrotha uh, to solid effect and you know it's in almost seven thousand decks as a commander and then if you look at it as a card in other decks in the 99 you're talking about almost eighteen thousand, which is almost three percent of all blue black decks this is a fairly unique card at five mana in these colors that has does some very specific things. It's got a life drain effect. It can bring creatures back from the yard, and it can bring them from anybody's yard, which is always handy in Commander because you can get rid of some graveyard combo they're doing and put a token into play that's a 4-4 version of that. So if it has a comes-into-play ability, you get that. And then even if they kill the Scarab God, as long as they didn't exile it, you get to return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. So it's very difficult for them to handle as well outside of swords or farewell, etc. All in all, this is the, uh, the only fancy version we've had of this card since its uh, uh, initial release. And there is some chance that they would include it in Commander Masters for sure. I don't think that ancillary printings like this are sufficient protection to prevent that from happening. And if that borderless was especially sexy art, it you know could 
put a drag on this card. Now, given how much inventory is left, you don't necessarily have to run out and grab these this week. You could give this some time. You could get a little closer to preview season. You could start trying to figure out if the Scarab God can appear in the presumed 20 mythics in that set. And I've already got accounted for eight or nine of them. So to my <laughs> mind, there's there's only 11 or so left that, that could be included. And I think there's a very decent chance that the mythic... Uh, commander they might include could be Yuriko at Mythic instead of Yuriko at Rare, but we'll we'll see how that plays out. So yeah, Commander Master's risk has to be a risk for all Commander-specific cards heading into the late summer, and if it doesn't get a print th- printing there, I will definitely be taking a harder look at these DJ Borderless promos. The only real uh, beef I have with anything that you said is that there was a special version. There's an invocation version of the Scarab God going for over $200. Oh, yes, that's, right that, that is true. But it's, yeah, well over $200. Yeah, about so that. that's not really in this conversation. Um, you can get, the, the thing that stands out to me is that you can get these copies, the Secret Lair copies, for about the same price as the regular frame versions from Hour of Devastation or the Double Masters version. So, like, yeah, go for the sweet version of things. It is awesome, and you should get these... And the great news is once the um, few walls that exist are gone, that's it. Like, there's no more of this coming in this frame. And so then the only thing you have to look out for is some other crazy printing, which, like you said, that's always going to be a risk. And uh, I think this is a, a great pick. Now you can wait if you want to, but why wait? Go, go for the things you want. I mean, if you wanted one for personal use, I think 20 bucks is fine. Um, because oh, if yeah. Scarab God is reprinted at Mythic and Commander Masters, given the price of that set, it could easily hold up as a fifteen to twenty-five dollar card. Yeah, we're gonna once we get a little more information about the collector boosters and stuff, we got a lot to talk about with Commander Masters. <clears throat> All right, what about your next selection? My other pick this week is uh, Tyvar Stand, the uncommon out of uh, all, out of um, Phyrexia. All will be one. Uh, regular copies are around 75 cents on TCG Player. Uh, this is a brick target that I think is going to pay off. Like you pick up a whole bunch of these at 75 cents. Our chance to get in at 50 cents has already passed, sadly. But um, it's so good at what it does. Um, it offers protection. It sees some play in uh, of the couple of decks that want to do that. The Rot Priest decks and there's also... A couple copies in Devoted Druid decks because it's really hard to get around both Indestructible and Hexproof. Like, you have to have some extremely niche cards. Like, yes, at, at Farewell or Bust is basically where we're at. So, um, picking up a brick of these at a uh, dollar or less, and then uh, I'm looking to unload them when I can get send them off as a giant brick to some vendor for hopefully around $2 a piece. It's, hard, it's just going to work out well, I think. Currently, Card Kingdom is offering $0.12 cents point or $0.16 cents in credit for these, so it's got a ways to go. It's certainly seeing a significant amount of play. I, I, I tend to be pretty shy about going in on Bricks of Uncommons unless I have a very, very good feeling. I think the last one I did was Haywire Might, which I just buy-listed for about plus 40% over three months. I, I don't know if Tyvar Stand is going to get there or not. How many copies are the standard decks running that are using this card? 
Uh, I didn't actually look. I haven't taken standard into most of my uh, plans when it comes to picks for a while now. You're, you're thinking that this isn't. You're looking at this as primarily EDH. I'm thinking uh, EDH and uh, other useful. Although I guess it could be in assorted uh, aggro decks. Let's see if I. Can so there, there's a green up. white poison deck in standard that runs four copies. That's good. And let's see. There's a green red aggro that seems to like it. Simic heroic in standard is running. Oh yeah, that's an annoying four, deck. I've four, against four, that. four copies as well. So there's, yeah, there's, so there's a couple around. Yeah. Mm. You can be uh, not sure about it. It's fine. Uh, we're... It, if this was 20, 25 cents and we were looking to out at a dollar and on buy yeah. list, I would I would feel more confident. Because Haywire Might, I think, is is a similar uncommon. Haywire Might gets fetched up with Saga, though. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that I only got, I think, a dollar thirty or no, a dollar seventy six. Let me just double check what I got. I've got. I'm just putting that sell order together according to my sell history. The Haywire Mites were a dollar thirty five plus thirty percent store credit bonus. So. If you can get it on stand at 0.75, similar to the 0.67 I was in on Haywire Might, then you may well get out in between 125 and 150, but I think two might be pushing it, at least in the near to midterm. That's reasonable. We'll adjust this down a little bit. Always fine to get a, a lovely brick of uh, accrued value. We should make a, make a note here for the people that are going to be reading the show notes in the Discord that this is a buy list play target. Uh, moving on over to the cards to watch selection from our pro traders. We have Benius offering up Felwar Stone Etched. This was one of the bonus cards in the Dan Fraser, very popular Dan Fraser secret layer drops that had the etched talismans, etc. And you can get these Felwar Stones for about 13 right now. Benius says they're going to go to 25 in 12 months or more. Felwar Stone's in 400,000 decks on EDH Rec. Now, a lot of that probably comes from pre-constructed decks, uh, commander decks that have been published over a number of years, all including the card. But the etched version doesn't curl, which is a pretty big deal. And it's also one of these, it, like the Scarab God, it's a what I call a single scenario release, which means that either you got it via those secret layers, or you're never going to get it. And there will... As with the Command Tower, there will always be more Felwar Stones. It's, it could easily be in Commander Masters. But this particular etched version, but with Dan Fraser art, is limited to the secret layer. And people will want whole sets of those, right? Because there is 10 cards plus the Arcane Signet plus the Felwar Stone to go after. Uh, and I think maybe it's 20 total over the course of four drops, if I'm not mistaken, plus the two extras. Something like that. I think they were in ally and enemy so there were two drops and this was the secret for this was the bonus for each i could be wrong though yeah i can't i know that there's allied and enemy i just can't remember if there was uh if there was two drops and then another two drops like the return of dan fraser or something like that uh, i had to double check but bottom line people are going to want collections of the fraser produced mana rocks and this is well positioned as a result I am with it on this pick. Um, I love the... They've done so many cool versions of uh, Arcane Signet that it's sometimes hard to pick, like, your favorite. 
Um, I'm fond of the Magic Fest Thanos Gauntlet looking one. But we are looking at the Dan Frazier Signet one. That's this one here. It's in a, an old border, right? Yes, old border. Yeah. Yeah, it's neat stuff. Um, I agree, and this is uh, a great pick. And it, it's going to be really hard to go wrong with this. Alrighty, moving on to our weekly topic. We're going to take a look at the banned and restricted announcement from today, March 6th. It was posted on the Wizards website by none other than Ian Duke, who is brother of our recent Pro Tour champion, Reed Duke, and has been working from within the system to ensure his brother uh, won unfairly, I'm sure. Don't do that. (laughs) Come on, they hate us enough, man. You don't need to do that. I was about to say, are they even a relation? I didn't know they were related. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're brothers, if I'm not mistaken. The um, only bannings were in Legacy. They banned Expressive Iteration out of the uh, Blue-Red Delver deck, and they banned White Plume Adventurer after realizing that um, the initiative mechanic is super busted in Legacy. (laughs) So they got rid of the 3-drop initiative creature. There is still a 4-drop initiative creature, and in theory, I think this deck could dip into another color if they want to pick up one of the other initiative cards. Doesn't seem like it would be that tough for them. There are other options and other colors, so I'm curious what's going to happen. Of the two, I think the Delver deck is the most resilient, as I said earlier. This one, I'm, it's not clear to me whether this deck can survive without the 3-drop initiative creature. I don't know whether they seg- segue into another color or it just drops to a lower tier in the system. But Wizard's commentary was basically, look, 30% of the field is these two decks, and they hold each other in check but they also hold a bunch of other things from rising to a higher percentage and so we're going to nerf both of the decks and try to get a more diverse meta going pretty hilarious that mono white ended up too powerful in legacy in 2023 it's not even playing uh smothering tithe i mean come on <laughs> uh you're right that this is the only three drop that comes up with taking the initiative so uh if legacy can handle um playing four drops then we'll see uh, all kinds of stuff going on there's there's a lot of stuff that that can take the initiative and and we'll see if if they just say oh fine you banned the three drop but we can play a bunch of other uh four drops that do it i'll, I'll be very interested in this yeah we'll see how that develops the one thing that one way that that is relevant is not just the price of Uh, of the banned card of uh, White Plume Adventurer, but also the value of the party time commander decks that I know lots of pro traders and other magic finance types have been loading up on and buy listing all year. That deck has Deep Gnome Terramancer, it has Mutavault, it has Black Market Connections, and it has this card. And as a a result, they they currently buy list for something like excluding the Adventurer, which has fallen off the buy list based on the announcement. You can still get something like just under $46 or so for the top 10 or 12 cards from the deck uh, from Card Kingdom. So if you got a good deal on the decks, that puts you in pretty solid position. One of the other alternatives, though, is you sell the uh, Black Market Connections at retail for closer to after fees and stuff. You'll probably get about pocket $25 and then buy list the other $25 worth of cards to get out at about $50. 
So if you were able to get the DAX closer to 40, you're up an automatic 25%, and you can do that at scale for as long as the buy list lasts. It's also worth mentioning that um, if you are relatively new to things and you want to level up your TCG player store, a a deck like Party Time is a really easy way to do that because all the cards in it uh, sell. They just don't necessarily sell for a lot. And this is a great way to like sell a lot of cards enough to move up several levels and do so as long as you price, you know, kind of aggressively, get underneath a lot of other folks on TCG, and you can be uh, level 3, level 4 pretty quick while just uh, going through one known stack of cards. Now, over in the other major formats, Standard, Pioneer, and Modern... Well, we we didn't even get to uh, Expressive Iteration, James. No, I, I mean, I mentioned it. Did you want to say more about it? I mean, what what takes its place? We talked about the, the blue drop, uh, the... What's it called again? Mercurial like Spell Dancer. Mercurial Spell Dancer. So, like, Blue Red has had... Um, they said in the article that um, they're okay with card selection, card quality, uh, quantity. Those decks don't play a lot of, like, draw twos, draw threes. They play this one for two mana that looks at three. You're going to get to play two of them, have some good times. Something else will come along, though, I think. that that seems like a given that they'll do... Something else foolishness. Maybe we see, um, what's the card that for one blue you draw a card, but if somebody's got 20 cards in a yard, you draw three? I forget its name, but it, it, it was popular for a while. That's Maybe used we'll in the blue again. the black mill decks in modern, you mean? It might be. Keep in mind that Delver, long you know, before this expressive iteration was printed in uh, Strixhaven, they have four Ponder and four Brainstorm in the deck. So Wizards isn't mm. saying you don't get to have your card selection cards. They're just saying you don't get to have your third, you know, your ninth through twelfth copies. So they have to either <laughs> they they have to either downgrade that to a lesser blue search spell. Like it could be something like a opt. Or it could be a what's whatever the one is that puts it in the yard instead. I don't know if that's good enough for legacy. I suspect it's not. There's also a bunch of one and a blue cards that do impulsy type stuff. It's entirely possible they just go up on copies of other things instead of like maybe they go from three days to four to one unholy heat to two, an extra minor misstep or something, and only go with the you know the eight card selection spells. Or they might go two and two and and use something inferior to uh, the expressive iteration. Bottom line, they're probably going to be just fine. They also have three Mishra's Bobble, right? So yeah, they get and, and they fight. have and they have tons of fetch lands alongside Ponder and Brainstorm. So it's not like they have don't have plenty of looks at fresh cards. They do, and the card I was thinking of is uh, Visions of Beyond. That's the one. Yeah, looking at the other formats. So standard Pioneer Modern, as we've said on this cast for months, all in pretty healthy places. Standard was uh, probably the um, the most variable of the three. I, I've, I've thought Pioneer and Modern looked good for the la- better part of the last year. Pioneer is more narrow than Modern as a result of its smaller card pool, That that's for sure. But Modern especially has been in a very, very good place with tons of brews coming out with the release of every new Standard set, which I think is a very good sign given such a, that such a high percentage of the top 50 cards in the format are drawn from Modern Horizons, Modern Horizons 2, and the era starting in War of the Spark Forward. Well, I mean, that's not re- it's not really a surprise. I mean, if you're going to design a set for only Modern, you have to design it to be powerful enough to have an impact. 
Well, that's not the part I find surprising. The, far, the fi- part I find impressive, not surprising, is that the standard sets are still having an impact on the brewability. Oh, of modern, I see what you're saying. Despite yeah, yeah. the dominance of the Modern Horizons and Modern Horizons 2 era cards. So yes, you have tons of solitude, tons of fury. You have some subtlety. You have some grief, etc. You have Ragavan all over the place, Unholy Heat, etc. But when a standard set comes out, Aspiring Spike and the other streamers have no problem brewing up deck after deck after deck. And a lot of those decks have top aided in modern or at the very least five owed leagues and become viable fringe decks for people to, you know, carry to their FNM, et cetera. And I think that that anybody who remembers Eldrazi Winter, where you, you know, these situations <laughs> where you basically had two polarizing decks, you had Tron and Eldrazi and everything else was way below those tier, that tier, cannot possibly be complaining about a situation where there are at least eight tier one decks in modern right now and then 20 to 30 other viable decks that are a half step or a full step behind at tier 1.5 or two i'm with you on that it's it's great to see like um because modern is not so dominated by any one thing you can go off and just brew like whatever crazy ass combo you want try it out see if it does good in the league um what uh spike did the quest for pure flame uh and all will be one combo at one point right that was fun to yep. watch just watching the triggers and go clickety click 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 yeah there's been lo- there's been lots of tyvar brewing there's been lots of venerated rot priest brewing coming out of the latest set there's elish norn has already started showing up in both pioneer and modern so yeah i mean standard sets are producing some very powerful cards now what what is being left behind is the weaker cards from 10 to 15 years ago but oh yeah but the people that are writing, like there was an article written this week that was like modern, uh, a format I used to know or something. And it's like, you don't want modern to stay as static as you think you do. Yes, it's unfortunate that your cards that held value for 10 years eventually lost that value, but that should be expected. It's totally fine and, and healthier for modern to continue to evolve, to continue to innovate, to continue to have fresh archetypes introduced so that it stays fresh enough to keep people in the pocket playing and collecting in that in that space. Now, there is a problem with potential power creep where if Modern Horizons 3 or something comes out in summer of 2024 and they ratchet it up again, <laughs> then yeah, you can start to get to a point where the game just looks completely different. Like, Ragavan was already the most ridiculous one-drop of all time. If you improve on that with... <laughs> and, and and this is going to be tested sooner than summer 2024, because we know that the Lord of the Rings set in a few months is straight to modern. And as such, there, you know, if Frodo or whatever ends up being a totally busted card, then you may end up with a Ragavan in another color. So we'll, we'll, we'll see I... how, the, how this summer goes. I see what you're saying there. Um, I find it doubtful that we'll get, you know, we'll probably get a couple of pushed cards from Modern, but I don't think we're going to have a whole set that'll have that huge impact. I think what they're going to be looking for is a fun draft experience, stuff that helps out archetypes that currently exist in Modern. But, like, you've got such a strong IP that you don't necessarily need to just goose the power level to get players interested. Yeah, I suspect I suspect the Lord of the Rings set is a step back from Modern Horizons 2, but might be at the Modern Horizons 1 level. Okay. Um, wait, and that, it, that had um, uh, Free Dude... Uh, what, I want to call him Snorlax. It's not who he was. Uh, the one with... Um, you could only play him from your graveyard. It had Delve and it had Convoke. Hogak. Hogak. Thank you. 
Yeah, there could be a Hogak in this set for sure. The, <laughs> in terms of tribes that are going to get helped out, goblins, orcs, dragons, elves, yeah. humans. Archers. Probably, yeah. Tree rings. folk. Tree folk. Tree folk, <laughs> yes. And, and yes, rings, rings are probably... If the one ring is not busted, I'll eat my hat. I'm still betting on it being a mind control, mind slaver variant. So we'll, we'll I think see we're going to get like out. we're going to get stuff like the one ring with Bilbo, the one ring with Gollum, with the one ring somewhere else. And you can get like several versions of it. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be more. Right. Oh, you mean like you think that's what the special vi- the the serialized versions will be? I, I think that there there will be either multiple cards that rep- that say the one ring, like finding the one ring, grasping the one ring, something like that. Right. I think the marketing materials actually just refer to the rings, meaning the rings that are held by men, elves, and dwarves. Oh, that's true, too. And the one ring. So I think there's probably a set of four that are serialized. Like a ring, it it could, the the elves have three rings. Right. So it's possible that there's, that those three are named as individual artifacts. I know they have names, but. Well, it's also possible that it's just the one ring and then. One of the elven rings, one of the dwarven rings, one of the human rings, or something like that. And it's possible yeah. that the one ring interacts with them, and that they're all Neat. worth playing, and that they're all worth playing in modern. So it's possible that like you could be playing a mono white deck that has the human ring, and if somebody is playing a blue black deck and happens to be rocking the one ring, which just is just good generically, because you wouldn't want to be it to be fully parasitic, or else they're not going to see play. And then they they happen to challenge on the battlefield. Then the one ring has some kind of effect, uh, like makes other rings come into play tapped or something. That'd be amazing. I'd like some that. people have said that they think that the one ring is just going to be a reskinned soul ring. But if you think they're putting soul ring in modern, you're lo- you're Looney Tunes. That can't be possible. Yeah, you're probably right. It's already uh, really good to play Tron. It's it's it restricted is, and... in vintage for Christ's sake. There's no way they're putting it in modern. <laughs> it is it is not legacy legal. It's true. Um, uh, yep, yeah, modern's a good place. Pioneer, they said, twenty uh, percent of the field at the Pro Tour chose unique archetypes that were not Rakdos, Mono Green, Gruel vehicles, Lotus Field combo. Is it creativity, etc.? And so they think Pioneer is doing fine, and Standard was not looked upon fondly last season. But since they said basically since they banned the Meat Hook Massacre, things have gotten better and better, and that at present there are a variety of fresh new decks in play, and things look solid. They also commented on Vintage, although I don't think it particularly matters from our perspective, that Initiative was doing well in Vintage, but was not as damaging in that format as it is in Legacy, just because Vintage is completely ridiculous, right? You have the full power nine, yeah. et cetera. So like the, you have uh, a three drop and a four drop. events, very rarely. Yeah, and so three drop and four drop creatures are not quite as busted in that format, despite the fact that you can black lotus the three drop out on turn one. Yeah, so for now, initiative is left alone in vintage. And uh, yeah, all in all, people keep saying like magic's in decline, magic's dying, I'm going to sell my collection. I still see a comment or two like that a week on Twitter. And in the meantime, these formats are probably the healthiest they've ever been, sum total. I'm inclined to agree with that. You know, we had to ban the one Meat Hook Massacre, and uh, that's really it for Standard right now, correct? They don't have any other cards that are banned? Yeah. But we're, we're in a, a good spot, and 
They're printing neat cards that have new interactions. And I suspect you're right, we're going to get some more uh, fun times with Toxic coming up. We're about to have the rotation is happening in September, October, and we're going to lose both Innistrad's Kamigawa and Streets of New Capenna. So we'll see what uh, what stays and what goes and what people decide they want to play. Alrighty, where can folks find you online, my friend? Uh, you can find me online at Word of Commander on Twitter, as well as my articles every Friday on mtgprice.com. And you guys can find me on Twitter at mggcritic, as well as via my occasional articles on mggprice.com and my constant haunting of the ProTrader Discord. I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the mggprice.com ProTrader service. For just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year, you can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, low-cost group buys, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in the Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Please use the promo code FINANCE5, that's finance with the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Oh, James, can't wait for all this stuff coming out. Lots of releases in the next three months. We will be busy, busy. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Cliff. And we will see all of you next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.